The Masks, the Myths, the Controversy by Dr. Jennifer Norenberg from the Southern California Permanente Medical Group. With the COVID-19 pandemic, masks have become increasingly indispensable because the mode of transmission of coronavirus is presumed to be by droplet or contact, and the clinical symptoms seem to predominantly impact the respiratory system. With the speed of transmission and prevalence of the disease, demand for masks as a critical component of PPE has exceeded production. Therefore, it has become more important than ever to understand the differences between masks and the various modalities of reprocessing to safely protect and extend their usage. Recommendations for mask utilization differ between sources and intended audiences. For the public, the message is driven by a profound need to provide education and ensure proper usage. One interpretation of the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention CDC, recommendations for the routine use of masks by members of the public states that while wearing a mask will prevent you from spreading COVID-19 if you have it and don't know it, social and physical distancing and frequent thorough handwashing are still the best ways to avoid getting COVID-19. The World Health Organization's recommendations take a more conservative approach, urging medical masks, a more specific type than referenced by the CDC, to be reserved for medical personnel and those who are symptomatic. They caution that when wearing a mask, members of the public may be imbued with a false sense of security and other important measures such as physical distancing and hand hygiene may be neglected. In addition, there may be improper donning and inadvertent face-touching while adjusting the mask, which can increase the risk of self-contamination. Types of Masks Medical providers, especially anesthesiologists, are at elevated risk for contracting COVID-19 due to the frequency of exposure and the routine performance of aerosol-generating medical procedures. It also may be challenging to practice social distancing while caring for patients in an operating room environment. Anesthesia providers frequently encounter two types of masks. A surgical mask provides some fluid resistance and protection against large droplets, splashes, or sprays, and stops a large portion of droplets and aerosols emitted from the wearer. Surgical masks do not offer a tight fit, and do not require fit testing for protection. The masks should cover both the nose and mouth simultaneously and should ideally not be touched or adjusted once applied. In the medical setting, most of these are single-use and disposable. However, with shortages in personal protective equipment, PPE, there have been some attempts to prolong use by storing masks in paper bags or ventilated containers. Although this is a controversial tactic, provided that the mask is not soiled or damp, it can potentially be reused as a solution to rationing usage. There is no approved way to clean or disinfect standard medical masks, as germicidal wipes or sprays and alcohol damage mask integrity and filtering capabilities. The second type of mask that anesthesiologists frequently see is a tight-fitting mask that reduces the wearer's exposures to small particles, aerosols, and droplets, for example, N95 masks.
These masks are designed to filter ambient air and require users to be fitted to ensure a tested seal. Common nomenclature consists of an N to indicate the mask does not protect against oily substances and a P to indicate the mask is oilproof. A respiratory droplet or aerosol is water-based, so either the N or P type filter should work. The associated number is the percentage of size 0.3 micron and larger particles that are filtered. There are disposable models and reusable models. Many disposable masks have the advantage of being designated as medical grade. Although reusable, elastomeric masks have filters that accomplish the same goal. The manufacturer may not have taken the step to have the mask evaluated for medical applications. Nonetheless, amid the COVID-19 pandemic, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration FDA, has approved the use of these masks in clinical settings. Several methods are available to extend the use of disposable filtering facepiece respirators. With regard to reusable respirators, guidelines for cleaning between uses and at the end of shifts, as well as suggestions for management of the filters are available. Notably, most reusable models do not have a filtered expiratory valve. The lack of a filtered expiratory valve might be relevant in COVID-positive or suspected patients, but evidence suggesting infectious materials exhausting out of the mask is currently lacking. A third type of filtering mask is the Powered Air Purifying Respirators, PAPR, or Contained Air Purifying Respirator, CAPR. These are looser-fitting hoods attached to battery-powered units that contain a HEPA filter and produce positive pressure and generate clean air for the wearer. These also do not have expiratory protection. Extending the use of masks. There are several methods to extend use and reprocess otherwise disposable masks and help extend the life of masks in short supply. Storing masks in an air-permeable vessel, such as a paper bag or perforated plastic container, ensures that any moisture accumulated on the mask dries and the pathogens are unable to survive. There are several methods studied and approved for mask reprocessing. One is the Battelle method, which utilizes vaporized hydrogen peroxide to sterilize masks and may be repeated multiple times without significant mask damage. The Sterad method uses hydrogen peroxide in plasma form and is a quick and accessible method, but will damage the filter after three cycles. UV light sterilization is also effective, as is dry heat or steam at 70 degrees Celsius. The minimum UV dose required to be virucidal is only one millijoule, but some bacteria require up to 41 millijoules. Higher doses of ultraviolet UV exposure may shorten the life and integrity of the straps, worsen the overall fit of the mask, and damage the filter if exposed to over 950 millijoules. The use of a UV meter placed outside of the room is necessary to track the UV dosage. Depending on the machine, dosages of at least 300 millijoules may be encountered following 15 minutes of treatment, at which time the UV machine should be stopped.
The steam and microwave steam bag sterilization method depends on the availability of an autoclave and microwave bags, and the treatment time depends on the wattage of the microwave. Drying time is 30 to 60 minutes and depends on the mask model. Each of these methods typically requires significant physical space, such as an operating room or dedicated sterile processing department, as well as time to set up the equipment required to sterilize the masks. It is also essential to expose as much of the mask's surface area to the treatment, so careful training must take place to ensure high levels of quality control. Some institutions have created protocols and send their masks out for standardized processing, which can improve efficiency of space but may slow turnaround time. Each institution must weigh the pros and cons and find a solution that works. It is also possible that none of these methods are accessible, and therefore staff must consider using reusable masks, such as the powered air purifying respirators, contained air purifying respirator, and elastomeric masks, which can be decontaminated with germicidal wipes or disassembled and submerged in a diluted bleach or isopropyl alcohol solution and allowed to dry. The filters that accompany these masks are studied for industrial usage, and the recommendations follow guidelines for heavy vapor usage. Therefore, although the manufacturer will not certify these findings, an evaluation of these filters has determined that acceptable usage is a minimum of 30 days, up to 6 months, or when there is more resistance to airflow with normal breathing or if the filter becomes soiled.